All right, welcome to the Restoration Church podcast. This is a podcast resource from Restoration Church in Noblesville, Indiana. I am Associate Pastor Brad Bartlett here with... Matt Brewer, the lead pastor of Restoration Noblesville. There you go. And we are here today to talk about uh, just really a recap of our sermon series in John. We're How many weeks in are we now? Oh, my. Uh, ten? I think this will be week 11 coming up. Yeah, 10 or 11. So we started John... Back in the beginning of September, we've been walking through the gospel kind of week by week, really kind of this overarching theme being the word believe. So unpack that a little bit. You know, if, if people weren't with us for the very beginning of the, of the series, why did we pick believe as our kind of anchor for this series? Yeah, so if you read through John, um, I mean, you see this overwhelmingly. Uh, so John, as an old man telling the story of the life of Jesus, who was a close friend of his, and he's writing as an old man looking back, and we don't know exactly if he's, if he's filling in gaps or what he's doing with the Gospels. He's no doubt read some of the other Gospels that are floating around, Mark and Matthew that are floating around, probably Luke at this time. Um, but one thing that is, that's really obvious, especially when you read the Gospel altogether, right? if you'll sit down and read all of it, what you see is that the word believe or believed shows up virtually in every chapter. Yep. It's used 84 times in the gospel. Well, comparatively, I think in Matthew it's like 11 or 12 times. In Mark it's like 8 times. And in Luke it's you know 14 or 15 times. So you've got those numbers compared to 84. Mm-hmm. It's like John is overwhelmingly um, leaning that way and talking about belief and what belief opens the door to, right? And, and Jesus talks a lot about that, and John particularly kind of doubles down. Yeah, I mean, as opposed to the other Gospels, when you read John, you get this opening chapter in chapter 1 that's this beautiful kind of preamble or mission statement that John gives of of the Word becoming flesh and the Word dwelling among us. And, you know, where whereas you would normally get this nativity scene of Jesus' birth, John really kind of goes right to it and says, this is written so that you may believe that Jesus is God. He is who he says he is. He is here in the flesh, um, and I'm going to unpack in this gospel signs, really, he used the word signs throughout the gospel yep. uh, to kind of say, to, to prove to you that you may believe, so that you may believe. And so, um, so if you have not had a chance to join us in person, uh, especially in a coronavirus year, we've been in and out of live uh, in-person services, but all of our John series, if you haven't, if you've missed one or haven't had a chance to join us, they're all online. You can go back and listen to all of the past 10 weeks of John, either on YouTube, Facebook, uh, and on this podcast. We have all of our Sunday sermons on there. So jump on there, go back through, listen again through any of the ones you missed or through all of them, and, uh, and you can catch up uh, on where we're going. So Matt, today what we want to talk about, just for a short amount of time, as kind of a recap, is really two questions. So for you and for me, uh, kind of what what has stood out to us the most as we have studied John so far? And then also, you know, how has God used the gospel of John in our lives in the past few months, Um, especially, you know, this, this year of all years? Kind of how is this when someone, you know, for me, I remember thinking, okay, we're going to go, we're going to do the gospel of John this year. Uh wow, I mean, of all the books of the Bible, John is the one that you always start with, right? Isn't it kind of like old hat to yeah. read the Gospel of John? Like, why are we needing to go back over it again? Mm. So uh, what's kind of stood out to you this time through? Um, I was looking back through um, 
really the whole book last night, just kind of, or at least up to chapter 9. We're going to be in chapter 9 this week. Uh, so the first eight chapters, and the thing that, that uh, I have noticed and just been, have been struck by in reading and studying John over and over again is really the simplicity and accessibility mm. of this teaching of Jesus, this revolutionary teaching, right? I mean, because it flips the whole system upside down. Um, and that that God pursues us, yep. um, and all of that. But but you would think that I mean John starts off right, and he like you mentioned a second ago he he establishes like the the deity of Christ mm. in verse one, right? I mean the, in this prologue to ministry he establishes the deity of Christ and that God the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and. But at the same time, uh, Jesus consistently uses simple, simple things and simple yep. concepts to teach normal people, yep. right, about who he is. I mean, he talks about word and lamb, behold the lamb of God, John the Baptist declares about him. He talks about the temple. He talks about water and living water. He uses life and birth a lot uh, to teach. He talks about bread and light and these really simple everyday things in this like simple, crazy accessible um, teaching. And, and he does it primarily with fishermen, a Samaritan woman, people who in their day would have been considered invalids or absolutely like the marginalized yep. uh, of society. He does that kind of thing. And it's that for me has been has been striking of just looking back through that. Yep. Oh yeah. I mean, as you travel through kind of each individual narrative, and then you know, as you go through, you'll see John kind of drops in at different points where he's like, "Here's a story of something that Jesus did or someone Jesus talked to," yeah. and then he'll pop in. This is what stuck out to me the most this time is really how John uh, interacts with the reader in his writing. You can hear him pleading for you to see what Jesus has done and hear what Jesus has said and to to make it your own mm-hmm. in a sense to say to believe this. You know, this isn't just a historical fact. It's a living reality that what Jesus is saying to the woman at the well, to the servants at the wedding in Cana, to Nicodemus in the dark, you know, all of these things that he's saying and doing not only vastly changed each of those unique individuals entire lives but ultimately is for us today to hear anew every time we read it and every time we interact with it to hear mm-hmm. it and have it impact our lives where right where we're at and so there's just a beauty to that of of like you said earlier this this living letter that John writes that's you know someone who's eyewitness testimony to these things and is saying I long for you to know the true meaning behind who Jesus is and what he's doing. Yeah, man, we've had some really rich times in both in my family and in my restoration group yep. um, to sit and just kind of read through the letter um, and then discuss it and unpack it and not not run from some of the difficult things mm-hmm. that are there, but sit in them. Uh, and I'm just, um, through studying John, and this happens over and over again when you study the Bible, but especially this time of you just are so confronted with the value of reading the Word and studying and discussing the Word yep. that God uses it to to shape your worldview. He uses it um, 
in the midst of circumstances and what's going on, God just uses his word. It's, it's uh, living and active, and God works through it that way. Um, Which one of these has been your favorite yeah, sermon on. so far Ooh. of the past? I'm going to drop that on you. Favorite, um, favorite sermon or favorite chapter, maybe? Um, Oh, I don't know. If I kind of zoom out and look at this, the connection to belief, right? Mm-hmm. This connection to the theme of belief, and you'll we'll see this. We kind of hit this around in different in different weeks, but you'll see this more of going uh, that belief. We talked about it this way a little bit. The belief as the as the key that unlocks this this unimaginable treasure, right? Which is primarily uh, eternal life, right? Um, so you've got you've got that going on, but then as you as you play that out, as you play that out a little more, you see that um, in chapter one it's like belief. Uh, those who receive and who believe in His name, He gives the right to become children of God. Yep. And in chapter three, that those who believe in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. And chapter further in chapter three, it, that belief unlocks eternal life with. No judgment and going from death to life. And then in chapter 6, that eternal life and being raised up on the last day. Mm-hmm. And, and you go through and you could track this through over and over and over again. And so the, the thing that's been really good for me is to read this in a big chunk mm-hmm. yeah. and, and to see the multifaceted treasure yep. that belief in the Son of Man Absolutely. Yeah, I think I I always am always encouraging, you know, people I'm talking to, especially in our own church, of just the need to be dwelling in this every day, you know, not Mm -hmm. waiting till Sunday, you know, or before restoration group or whenever it is you're going to discuss the chapter or the sermon, but really kind of letting your mind dwell in it, even if it's just a little bit at a time every day reminding yourself of these truths and the Holy Spirit starts to plant these seeds and kind of water these seeds and give growth to this plant of belief in your heart. Um, and I think for me, you know, uh, not only, not this kind of combination of what has stood out so far, but how has God used the gospel for me when I think about it? What's been encouraging has been the truth that Jesus preaches to each individual person that he is engaging with and kind of the, the, unfolding revelation of who he is and what he's come to do and who God is. And, you know, you, you'll, you'll believe God, you'll know God if you know who he sent, you know, me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he never condemns or he never uh, sends away those who in the moment appear to be just a little bit confused yeah. about what he's saying. That, you know, like there's almost a sense of we feel like we have to have it all together to come before God when Jesus is like, explaining it and you kind of see these light bulb moments for people that or especially the disciples you see the disciples are always like on the side watching jesus interact and are kind of like what did you mean or how are we going to get food for that many people or why are you talking to that woman or you know and so it's just always encouraging to watch the disciples kind of bumble their way through this experience firsthand with jesus um and a good reminder that that he is he's confident in who he is he knows what his mission is he knows it will be fulfilled we just get to go along with him. That's the invitation. Yeah. And to believe him. Yeah, that's good. One thing that God's been doing in my own life for the last, you know, 10 weeks or a little more uh, is working on uh, just doing like some identity work mm. in me. It's so easy um, for, our, 
for us to find our identity um, in the wrong things, mm-hmm. honestly. And for a pastor, I mean, you know this full well. Um, for for pastors, it's easy for your identity to be wrapped up in the church, mm-hmm. in in the health of the church, or the growth of the church, or the movement of the church, or you know the exciting things or the frustrating things. And and this is a this is a dangerous year, yep. right? It's always dangerous, but this especially is a dangerous year for your identity to be so connected to the church. And so what is what God has done in my own life is just is reminding me of the life-altering nature of the gospel. Mm. Um, And when you look at, like, the bigness of it, right, that this is not, like, it's not a side dish or a hobby or some, like, light reading, that Jesus is God, one with the Father, and that He changes your identity, and that that becomes the, the deepest part, the most core part of your identity, and that it's not, it's not your performance, it's not your performance. It's not what you're good at. It's not what you suck at. It's not the things that you struggle with. It's not the the sins that seem to haunt you. It's not, you know, work ethic or laziness. It's not any of those things that define us. It's, it's. I mean, we we find it all throughout this. Like, for the I mean, chapter one. For those who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That becomes our core identity as a child of God. And he exchanges the deepest bondage mm. for the most unfathomable freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a game changer. Yep. That's a game changer. And so what God's been doing in my life and what I'm trying to wrestle with is like, what does that freedom really look like for me to, to kind of put off the, the bad side of identity that I carry and to walk in the freedom of the identity that God gives me? Yeah. Mm. that's so good that's and that's something that I think that the Lord reveals to you only when you interact with his word yeah only when you see yep. him in that way through that lens on your own life that you actually begin to see that and yeah in a very similar way I mean I could I could mimic almost exactly what you just said and particularly for me you know kind of studying in John 6 Jesus talking about the bread of life um, this concept of of he says in verse 35 of chapter 6, he says, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And such a simple, almost a, you know, Sunday school, vacation Bible school verse that we know, we've memorized, we understand. Like, we, we get it, yet I've, I constantly find myself not understanding or truly grasping that concept because so much of my life is hungering for this completion of this project mm. or for this our church to grow uh our our ministry to be more influential in our city our uh our Sundays to be more well produced our you know my own <laughs> my own role yeah. in the church to be more fully you know uh ha- have more so much that I want to do, but not not having necessarily the resources yet to accomplish all these things, wanting, wanting. And yeah, going back to what you said, this identity that says, it's okay. It's okay. I am true food. I am true drink. With me, you'll never hunger or thirst again. And wrestling with what does that really mean? What does that truly, truly mean mm-hmm. to have your deepest desires, needs fulfilled and your true purpose given? Um and Jesus, Jesus does it in the sim- most simple way of bread and water. 
living water with the woman at the well, bread with the 5,000, and, you know, and the, the disciples. Uh, and in these simple ways that we think Jesus is going to reveal this crazy, cosmic, mind-blowing, you know, uh, thing to figure out eternal life. It's so simple. It's so simple, and yet we constantly yeah. turn away from it. So, uh, yeah, there's so much. I mean, we could go on and on and on but talking about all the different things that the Lord's kind of revealed. I've had some awesome conversations both in Restoration Group but also in uh, just one-on-one conversations with some of our people about them reading and engaging and some of the stuff that happens. I mean, there's some things in here that you just don't quite get, mm-hmm. you know, Uh Jesus says some things in here that's like, what does he mean? And even today, we're like, what does he mean? And so uh, it's been fun to kind of wrestle with some of these and chew on some of these things. And again, I always encourage people, there are no, it is not bad to ask questions. Sure. It is not bad to ask and like, and look deeper and wonder. Um, yeah, really, it's, really it's bad to not ask questions. Exactly. I mean, that's the, that's what gets you. Yep. So, so where are we going next? What is, what's kind of happening? What's on the horizon? Kind of lay out a little bit of the plan for the next, really the next month to the end of the year, but then also going into the spring. Yeah, so we have two more weeks in John. Um, so this week we're doing John 9. Next week we're doing John 10. So we've been moving at a pretty good pace because we're trying to keep, we're tr- we laid it out to, to cover the book of John in 28 weeks. We did that on purpose because it lines up with Easter, mm-hmm. right? So we should be able to, we're going to take a little bit of a break for Christmas, and so we're going to take three weeks. Uh, that will start uh, the 13th, December 13th. That night we're doing yep. a worship night, yep. and then the next uh, Sunday and then Christmas Eve and the following Sunday will be part of a four-part Christmas series. Um, so we're excited about that. Yep. Uh, that'll be good. More to come there. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll give you all the information on that here in just a little while. Um, and then we'll start back you know, on January 3rd. We'll jump back into John 10. And so we'll make it through John 10 and 11. And then about midway through January, this thing really, really slows down. So John has been moving at a pretty good clip, and mm-hmm. so have we, right? I mean, you've got to put the work in to kind of stay up on the story. But starting in John 12, really through the John 12 through 20, basically, uh, is all one day basically one 24-hour period. Yep. Um, and so we will really, really slow down as far as the pace that we're moving at. We'll spend the time there, and then we'll ride that out all the way until um, Easter, really, the Passion Week and that. And it'll, it'll fit right in with where we are in John. We'll finish that up and uh, be able to look back across the whole gospel and say, hey, we've systematically studied this in a way that uh, helps us understand it, mm-hmm. and and by understanding it, it kind of opens the doors for God to really work. Yep. Right in, uh, in through in His Word, the way that He does. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be. I'm excited to see, especially we we touched a little bit on this for Easter of this past year, which was you know feels like five years ago. Um, a little bit in this last day, really the last night before Jesus was Jesus' crucifixion in Easter this year. And so it's going to be nice to go back and revisit that a little bit with the broader picture in mind. And so, yeah, if you have not had a chance to, we still have several um, Gospel of John, you know, small readers available. If you haven't had a chance to pick one of those up to utilize both as a note-taking, but also just to have in your pocket uh, to read, to keep up with, we have those available still. Uh, Like we've said, you've heard us say in this podcast and ones before, if you're not in a restoration group or you're not in a, uh, a huddle, we have huddles that meet throughout the week on usually in the mornings, um, 
let us know. Get involved. That's a great way to start really wrestling through some of these topics and some of these ideas in Scripture um, that's really been life-changing for us and for a lot of people in our church. So let us know how we can get you involved there. We would love to do it. So awesome. Cool. Well, we're looking forward to jumping back into John this weekend. We're going to be in person this Sunday, Lord willing, um, 9.30 a.m. You can either join us at the church, 9.30 a.m., or online, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, We'll see you then. God bless. See you.